99 drinks still left to go Welcome all in and enjoy the show It's me though, I'm the host You know, so sit back, relax, grab a snack and let's go Welcome on in or welcome back to the 99 Dreams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rawuri, and today we've got another amazing guest lined up. So without further ado, Fano, let's welcome to the show Cam. Cam, what's good, bro? How are you? No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Just moved up to Wellington, so moved out of, moved out of gloomy old Dunedin. Um, yeah, so just living up here now. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Nice, nice. Well, hey, before we get started, we'll just do a bit of a core why Norway. Who you are and where you're from? Uh, so I'm from Dunedin, grew up in the mighty south, some may say. Um, yeah, well, a bit about me. I'm a strength and conditioning coach based out of Wellington now, um, been pra- a practitioner for three years. Um, me and you obviously studied together, so went to uni down there as well. Um, great place to you know, start that journey off in that career. Yeah, because well, you, you grew up in Dunn, isn't that right? So did you have any idea or any plans to go to a different university or was it always just, yeah, I'm going to Otago? Um, I sort of talked about it with the parents and and it always just sort of stood out that, you know, the PE degree down there and it was always what I wanted to do, um, always that special interest. And there was sort of nowhere else offering that kind of service and that level. Um, I think when I we first joined up, it was the seventh best degree ranking in the world from memory um that fitter degree so really nothing else stood out for me and especially in new zealand anyway and i wasn't going overseas so it made total sense just to stay in dunners and yeah start my career there in pe yeah Yo, because yeah, that was one thing I didn't actually know was that it was that highly ranked in the world. I knew it was the number one in New Zealand for um, PE for sports and exercise science and stuff like that because a lot of the professors that worked there. But I, yeah, I had no idea until I got um, to Otago that it was like one of the top schools in the world. Which I was like, hey, what the heck? Yeah, I, I sort of knew because I'd had um, a cousin go through it, and he he was more into the outdoor. Um, side of the degree but yeah he he told me all about it and pretty much fell in love with it with it from there and that's where it all started so yeah no I I didn't really know I probably wouldn't have known either if it wasn't for my cousin about how highly ranked it was because it was crazy um yeah so it's it's um rather bizarre that it that was so high especially considering you know Dunedin's you know bottom of New Zealand like you know there's (laughs) Not heaps going on in Dunedin. Um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, like you say, it was, it's not like, you'd you'd think Auckland, Wellington, that'd be your top schools. But hey, Dunedin, punching above their weight. Mm. So where was it in your journey through university that really pushed you into strength and conditioning? Um, well, it's really bizarre because I, I probably hadn't experimented with the gym or... Um, you know, hard out conditioning or anything like that until probably my third, fourth year of uni is when I really sort of found my niche, which is quite interesting. You know, I sort of did PE at uni thinking um, that, you know, I'll I'll find something related in sport management or, um, 
you know, become a teacher or, you know, follow one of those paths. Um, and yeah, that third year, fourth year, I, I just really took off and started loving the gym, um, the training methodologies. <laughs> and Jesus, terrible. But um, yeah, so that's where I really started to fall in love with it. And then I just sort of went from there. Um, I remember there were papers I did that I just, you know, some things I really struggled at in uni and the exercise prescription papers came up and I just breezed through them and it was just so natural and the understanding of it and yeah because it was a lot more hands-on learning um so yeah that's where it really started um and it just took off from there and then sort of finished uni thinking well you know I, I felt like uni you sort of get that you don't get that practical element as much um you know we we were more hidden books weren't we so it wasn't so much applying the knowledge, it was more learning the knowledge. So moved on to my postgrad and strength and conditioning at the Polytech um, the year that COVID hit. And it was probably a great time to do it because there wasn't much happening in terms of job opportunities. So I sort of jumped at that. Um, and yeah, that's where I sort of got my hands-on knowledge from, you know, I had stints with Otago Rugby. Um, I did an internship back at my old school, um, helping out in their academies running the SNC programs, so working with these sort of top top sports teams. Um, yeah, so that's sort of how it branched out, I guess. And then it's just been rolling ever since, really. <laughs> just keeps growing and growing. So, and, you know, my knowledge does too. So it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. What um, were some of the skills that, you picked up in university that really shone through in your time in postgrad doing SNC. What skills? Uh, I think, yeah, definitely the knowledge of the body and how it works. Um, you know, I remember doing lots of papers that were, you know, anatomy based, biomechanical based. So that understanding of the body I found was really, you know, useful taking into that practical element of the polytech because um, the polytech the polytech um, postgrad was more you know there was a bit of book work but like it was nothing compared to what we did at uni like it was actually easier <laughs> um, <laughs> which is but I, I suppose they're trying to get you to get that more practical element and you know your coaching and understanding of people and individuals as well as you know applying you know those training protocols or you know the plans you have for them so yeah definitely from <clears throat> from that degree it's you know the understanding and the background of how the body works and how to apply it to um, what you're doing with your athletes or clients um, yeah yeah because as much as it is like understanding the methodologies and understanding how the human body works you also need to have those people skills though, to be able to connect with your clients and with your um teams that you work with yeah exactly i think i think probably people skills is one of the most important you know roles in being an snc because you have to understand um not only you know the team but you've got to understand those athletes individually like you know if you've got players that come and saw the next day how you can work around them you know um, some athletes can be inclined not to tell you that they're sore or so you've got to almost work it out of them a wee bit <laughs> so you've got to be yeah you've got to be really cautious and actually build it's about building relationships really is a big part of it 
Um, and then from there, if you build a relationship with them or with, you know, with the team, they actually buy into the process a lot more of what you're doing because they understand you as a person, they trust you. So it's all that trust as well. Um, was definitely a big thing I learned in that postgrad was, you know, trying to fit into a culture that may already be there. And as well as that implementing your own, you know, we twang on it or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, so that's definitely that practical elements, not just applying exercises or, or prescription. It's um, actually building up things in the background that no one sees, you know, um, checking in with the athletes, forming that relationship, but also having that boundary with them that, you know, you can talk about certain things and other things, you know, you don't need to know too much about or, they, you know, they may cross a line. So you've got to have quite a professional laid-back approach with them, I'm finding. Um, definitely in high school boys, you know, they like to cross the line and treat you like a teacher sometimes because um, I'm working with a lot of um, youth athletes, mainly 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 boys at the moment. So previously worked at Targo Boys the last two years as their high-performance trainer. Um, so I was doing 20 hours there and then was also the sports coordinator there. So you know, having having that relationship with those boys is important so that they, you know, understand and, and, you know, can grow and build their foundations up so that when they do, you know, reach that next level or if they do choose to try and go for that re next level, um, you know, they have a have a baseline understanding and their foundations are built, you know, whether it's strength, um, mindset, they have a little understanding of nutrition, um, yeah, and performance, and they, they know they're not just training to be, look like Arnold, <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they, they have an understanding that, you know, that, that bodybuilding um, cycle isn't, isn't going to help them so much. Um, yeah. And then just looking after their bodies is really important too. So getting that understanding of recovery, mobility, um, you know, sometimes it's not running the body into the ground and it's actually saying, I'll oh, have a rest day today. So <clears throat> getting getting 14 to 18-year-olds to understand that is a challenge in itself. But, yeah, so that that was cool, like really, really cool working with those those boys at Otago Boys. So a bit of a shame to leave, but it was time for a bit of a change and they they were pretty gutted I, I left, but it just, it just fitted in my life and time to mix it up a bit, yeah. Ah, and I definitely know what you mean. Like back in the day, everyone thought, nah, I got to work out seven days a week, every week, just to yeah. start walking around with no neck. <laughs> yes. The old shrug shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. How did you, um, yeah. well, how do you go about building these boundaries and maintaining those boundaries with them, especially being, you know, high school students to, know that this is a professional relationship. I don't need to know about anything that could potentially incriminate you because, you know, they're quite young. Mm. Yeah, and boys talk and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do hear you do hear some interesting things and, it, you know, it's the, um, you know, it's just, it's just setting the boundaries early. Like the big one was always, you know, I didn't let the boys swear around me. So, um, you know, making sure that, you know, they're keeping it pretty PG around me as well. And I'm not a teacher, and I told them that. They called me by my first name, um, and I was totally, you know, hated when I got called Sir or Mr. Sim. It just <laughs> doesn't sit right in my mind. So I was just like, boys, just call me Cam. That's fine. 
Um, but I played the big brother card quite a lot um, and tried to be a bit of a mentor most of the time, you know, if they were struggling with things. Like I, I said to them, if you know, there were things you were struggling with there to come talk to me or, you know, I, I did I did care about the boys and I didn't, you know, sort of shut out personal things in their life, but, you know, made sure that if swear words were said or if they talked to me in a terrible or derogatory way that it was shut down pretty instantly. So I did I did take a big brother approach, but I also made sure that when the boundaries did get crossed that they were brought back into line a little bit. Um, and it's probably the difference between training youth and training probably professional athletes is, you know, these boys are still in school and still learning about what they can and can't say to people and, you know, and they're still learning about themselves. So, yeah, making sure that definitely there was some boundary. And the big brother card really worked for me. Like I got a lot of buy-in by the time I was, you know, I had the boys humming by the end of it, the year 13 boys. Um, they'd come in, they'd know what they're doing straight away. They're either warming up or they're getting into the session that's on the board. Because um, it, it was sort of run like, I guess a bit of a sports academy, um, like an applied PE sort of subject. So boys would, they'd have like one classroom time session a week with the teacher and they'd do their book work then. And then the other three sessions was the teacher sort of supervising me um, and helping me out um, with doing whatever we were doing in the classroom. And it, it was a total array of boys who were in it. Like you had footballers, basketballers, and your classic rugby and then you had a mix of like, you know, I had a sailing and a tennis boy this year. So it's quite cool that it's gone away from, because when I was at school there, it was just rugby boys did it. And now it's that array of, you know, you get all the first 15 boys doing it. You get all get all kinds of, you know, first teams or first, you know, single sportsmen's that are quite elite in their age group um, joining in and, you know, seeing the value in SNC and, you know, it was a good culture we had by the end of it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, very cool. Oh, that's awesome. Especially the way that you sort of build that, not persona, but you build that boundary, you build that foundation that, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you, but I'm also here to, you know, help mould and shape you because they are so young. Mm. So it's like you're giving them that, that step into what it's like being a professional, which I think a lot of um, people miss out is that, if you're going to be an athlete, you have to have this uh, essence of personality and professionalism about you because you can't be out there swearing at the media. No, exactly. So, you know, it's just teaching them to learn nice and early what is and isn't okay. Um, yeah. And the big thing, another big thing we did was making sure we let the boys play music. Um, generally, one of, the rugby, one of the rugby boys would love to play their music. So, yeah, but we made sure that no explicit content was ever on the music as well so making sure that you know we were keeping it across everything it wasn't just them saying it or yeah so we sort of kept everything um you know in line there was one sort of you know model um and yeah so it was really cool it was really great by the end of it hard and it helps with consistency too so they're not getting all these up and down mixed messages throughout the whole process because that's important too especially being um teenage boys is it needs to be consistent not one way for one day and then one one way for music sort of mm. thing eh? yeah exactly the hardest thing was when the relievers were around and they were it's hard being a reliever and i get that but you know it was sort of me having to take over the class and telling the boys that it wasn't okay and 
you know, they were just sort of acting up because the teacher wasn't there, as as boys like to do. You know, they get get a free run sometimes, and they try to take care for everything they can. So, yeah, but by the end of it, like they, well, by the end of me leaving, they, you know, they understood because I had them for two years, so it was sort of a build up. So year eleven, the the academy classes start. So they sort of learn how to lift, the understandings, the health and safety in the gym. You know, we kept that all pretty consistent, um, as well as you know, you know the values in there and what what we do. We keep the space tidy. You know, we don't swear, we don't play explicit music. Um, we help our brothers out if they're getting stuck. You know, if they need a hand. Okay, we're not. The big thing I always had to tell them was, don't jab your mate in the ribs if he's lifting weight, because <laughs> they were so. You see them try to tickle each other, and it's like, boys, come on. Like, yeah. but <laughs> By the time they got to year 13, that sort of group I took from year 11 to 13, um, you know, that they're definitely the group you know, that have had my biggest influence on them because I've had them from, the, you know, that sort of start of puberty to now towards, you know, getting towards the end of it. And they're, um, you know, obviously getting big and strong and, you know, understanding the level of S&C and, and how it's you know valuing their sport, whether it's they want to get cricket quicker, stronger, bigger, um, more explosive. So yeah, so those those boys definitely are um, going to be a reckoning force this year in Dunedin, I'd say. Um, so I'm excited to see how they all go. Um, a lot of them keep in touch with me as well. As I said, I was their big brother, so um, a lot of them follow my my PT page and keep up to date with me and tell them how their results are going and things. So, you know, it's, it's quite cool that it, those boys are still reaching out to me, even though I've left and asking me how things are going. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's pretty special. Um, got a lot of hugs when I left. First week, the first <laughs> week I told them I was leaving and start of February, I said, oh yeah, boys. And sort of told the hockey boys first, because I did a lot of hockey coaching there. So I was quite close with the hockey boys. And then, um, they sort of being a hostel there, it spread to the hostel pretty quickly. And half my hockey team are hostel boys. Had boys coming up to me, and they're like, "You're leaving?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I am in a month." And they're like, "What?" That is, you know, like some of them walked away from me to start with and didn't talk to me for a couple of days. So, yeah, so it just shows you they like having me around. Then on the last day, I got a few tears from boys, which was quite surprising. So, yeah, a few hugs and a few handshakes and. They wish me all the best, but you know it's pretty pretty special to go back to a school where you know you spent five years and you know wish you had some sort of support network like myself um, in there to support your sporting dreams. So yeah, no, it was cool to get, go back to that school and and give back to the especially the sport and um, you know the boys coming through because yeah, the good boys down there. Yeah, yeah. Man, bro, that, that's amazing. That, that just goes to show the impact that you've made on their lives, not just on their um, sporting ambitions, um, mm. but also their, you know, their personal lives. So that, that must, you know, speak volumes to who you are as, as a person rather than who you are as just a strength and conditioning coach. Mm. Because the boys, I mean, yeah, exactly. The boys would have no idea what I'm programming them if it's any good or not. But... <laughs> I'd like to say it was, yeah, it was good. Uh, you learn every day. It's sort of a, it's a, a growing thing, S&C. So it's, um, you know, you're always learning about different things that worked or didn't work. And you sort of just adjust from there week to week. And, 
see how it all goes. A lot of trial and error. Um, yeah. Exactly. Do you think um, you'll see a bit of a surge in um, young students moving to Wellington universities just to come and train with you again? <laughs> just to come and train with me again. That'd be pretty cool, but I don't know. I mean, they've probably all got that same sort of philosophy I had when you're in Dunedin and you've got a great university there, like Otago Uni, that a lot of them don't sort of go away. Um, most of the boys there, hostel boys, like 90% of them go to Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest sort of, you know, that do go to uni will generally go to Dunedin. Um yeah, depending on what they want to do. But yeah, a lot of a lot of Dunedin boys stay in Dunedin for the university. Um it might be later in life they come up though, you never know. Get out of get out of Dunedin and But they're um yeah, so I suppose I suppose one day they might come and visit. You never know. Come and um <laughs> I mean, a lot of them will want to get out of Dunedin and, you know, experience something different. So I'm sure I'll see some of them again someday. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So now I guess we'll, we'll shift up into your new role here in Wellington. How, how's that transition been? New city, new faces, new places? It's a lot of people to meet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so working at HealthFit Collective now, and they, they have the contract with Wellington College. Um, doing all the RSNC, so pretty much I go out to the school um, on behalf of HealthFit and I do all their, their RSNC works, all their programming. Bit of a different model. Um, they they start from year 10 in their academies to year oh. 13. Um, they haven't had a trainer in two years because of COVID and different things happening budget-wise within the school just made it hard, I think. Um, but they're a massive school there, 1,800 boys, double the size of Otago boys. Yeah, oh, so massive for a, um, yeah, just massive school. So double the size of Otago boys. Um, they've got no hostel either, so they don't have that hostel number to bulk them up either. So they're a massive school. Um, yeah, so pretty much I've just been there all of term one. And it's a different model again. Um, all the time it's, it's more individual work. So the model at the moment is writing the boys individual programs and then to go off and do it by themselves and sort of have catch-ups with me every now and again um so yeah i've been doing that for 12 weeks so screen i've done a movement screening on over 100 boys i met 100 boys across the space of 10 weeks oh um, and then written the programs as well and, and then obviously um, sort of starting with their rugby now, it's been a bit of a slow process, but getting started with their rugby um, and, yeah, the winter sports were about to start up, so I'll do, be doing some work with them as well. Um, yeah, I, I think the idea one day will eventually will be to have me in there more and doing um, doing actual sessions with the boys and, and learn to lift sessions with the year 11s. And, um, their 13 sport class is very rugby dominant, so it'd be cool to sort of have that same model we had at Otago Boys where we're trying to bring all the sports together. And the teachers are really on board with that too. They, they want it to be like that. Um, yeah, and, and the teachers they've got working around those academies, they're, they're all great guys and um, have, have quite a good base level of understanding of S&C. So, yeah, no, they're, they're quite keen on the model and um, branching it out and trying to get more boys to stay on because it's really, really bizarre. Like they're 10, 11 and 12 classes 
they've got a whole array of sports and then it seems to be in year 13 they they seem to just it just totally goes to rugby um and i'm not sure why i don't know what the model is i'm not sure what has made it like that and the teachers haven't tried to make it like that at all um i'm pretty sure the first 15 guys get told they have to do it so maybe if the other sports sort of (laughs) push for you have to do it um but yeah and it's yeah it's just trying to again starting from that that bottom point again with the boys and trying to build that that trust up and you know that level of understanding with them is is pretty poor especially in those um especially in the ones that should know more as those 12 and 13s that probably probably don't know enough due to not having anyone there for two years supporting them um and you know helping them understand you know what snc is and and how to implement it and you know because a lot of them i you know they've talked to i've sort of said you know well, what's your training at the moment and it's, it's very sort of oh i saw this on tiktok or <laughs> or i uh <laughs> Or I um oh I got this split off the internet and it's like a seven day, you know, as you said earlier about but they just don't know. They don't you know, and and that's not their fault. It's um just a just was a terrible time in the world and they just missed out on those opportunities. So um yeah, just starting from the base up and, and trying to get the especially those thirteen boys to understand that they need to be doing you know, recovery on a Monday and then getting into some heavy lifting during the week before the season starts because um, they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be trying to make massive gains throughout throughout the year because, you know, they're training three times a week and they're playing maybe one or two games a week. There's just no time and the body's, you know, the body can only do so much. So you're just looking, you know, you're trying to get them to understand that Friday night, going to hit a heavy leg session is, is, is not good for them. Um, and yeah, so, so just, again, it's almost like starting from scratch a wee bit, but, um, you know, health fit, and myself and Wellington sports med who are the physios, they have a good relationship. So we're trying to get things off the ground running and, you know, implementing some some things for I, I mean it might take six months for it all to come together but at least it's a start now and there's, there's someone there supporting them to start with um and it might be sort of next year or over the next couple of years where the the program really sees development and for the boys and um yeah for us as well yeah because i was just about to say that this is more of a you know five-year plan right so once you get these current year 10s by the time they reach year 13 and so on that's when you'll have the program kind of well polished by then hopefully yeah yeah you'd hope so um <laughs> even yeah even trying to install it and you you like year 11s are really good in terms of the fact that they want to learn it's that sort of age where they can get into a gym and actually start you know using weights safely and um so yeah getting Getting them in, they they seem to love it so far, um, and it was the same in the Tiger Boys. So, getting them in and starting their understanding in Year Eleven when they're keen and eager to learn, you know, is a great time. And then the idea is, you know, they they are sort of their understanding by Year Thirteen will be well polished, as you said. So, yeah, that's the idea as the long term goal. Um, we'll just wait and see. It, it, it seems to be taking like a you know 
an upwards approach at the moment. So just got to wait and see what happens next term and how the funding is as things as well, because it's hard because it is a public school and resources are limited. So it'll, it'll all depend on um, as well if what's happening with their budgets each year too and if they can afford to have us around as much as we would like. But it's sounding pretty promising and securing that. So, yeah, it would be great to be around there um, all the next term and the rest of the year because I'm probably doing anywhere from 10 to 15 hours a week I was probably doing there all of term one when I arrived. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, lot of, it's a lot of time there with boys. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge investment. That's, that is quite a lot of hours, especially when you um, think about it. It's during school hours, right, or was it before or after school? Oh, it's a mix, but the academies is during school, and then if they're um, extracurricular teams, you know, their first 11s and first 15s, it's all after school or um, before school. So, yeah, it's it's a, yeah definitely an investment for the boys to for the future and getting them involved and that understanding would be incredible. Um, but yeah, it seems like the relationship's growing between the school and the gym and, and the physios too. So it's definitely on that upwards approach. Um, and it's just, you know, just takes time as things do sometimes. Um, yeah, so it's pretty exciting. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes next term because I know there's, there's big meetings happening with staff in school at the moment to see what will be happening. So it's exciting stuff. Yeah, that that's, sounds like there's heaps going on for you, bro. That's mm. amazing. One thing I, I do want to ask is, is based around how you said um, some of them are picking up programs online or they see it on TikTok. Is what do you think about online PTs? Do you think it's kind of the way they influence the industry now is a negative effect or do you think it's a positive effect? Um, oh, it's, it depends on the person, I suppose. Like I have a lot of, you know, like I am prone to going on TikTok every now and again myself. Uh, but there, there are some people out there putting out good information and, and you know, I follow those ones. There's a guy called um, Squat, Univers- uh, Squat University who brings out some awesome content. Um, there's another guy, I've totally forgotten his name, but he lives in the UK and puts out awesome content. You've got like Athletes Authority in Australia that posts a lot of content for people to look at and um, buy into. But then you also get those people, um, you know, just exploiting, you know, the use of social media platforms to boast their own programs. And half the time, you know, they're not relevant to the person and, they sort, of, they sort of get you to buy into it by the way their body looks or how much they're lifting. or So, yeah, I think there are positives and negatives to it. But, yeah, it's just got to be careful how you use it as a resource. And, um, yeah, I, I, know a lot of, I know a lot of them, those PTs online sort of give you online programming, but they've also probably given it to 30 other people. So there's nothing tailored to the person as such. Um, and the big thing people get caught on is around is, you know, a lot of them as well, especially those ones just throwing out generic programs are, are definitely on some sort of performance enhancing supplement. <laughs> um, 
to help them out as well. So, I mean, each to their own, but yeah, definitely, definitely, um, you got to be careful when you're looking at, you know, your TikToks and your social media about what people are posting. And, you know, is it re- the questions I'd be asking, is it relevant to me? Is, you know, is this person going to be able to contact me or, you know, am I going to be able to contact this person to talk about my program and get help with that? And, yeah, I think having a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach, they've got to be available um, 24-7 or not 24-7, but, you know, somewhat that they'll reply the next day or, you know, they're, they're going to reply to you in a couple of days' time. Whereas, you know, it worries me to think that, you know, that those people chucking out generic programs aren't actually replying to to their athletes or clients or, you know, taking ages to do it because that, because it's just a money-making scheme, really, for them, um, from what I see. Um, like, at the moment, I, I'm training the New Zealand... I've sort of just picked up a wee gig with the New Zealand Handball uh, Federation. So they live all throughout the country, and some of them even live in Europe. So, you know, I've got 15 athletes that I'm having to tailor to across different parts of the country through online programming, um, and like that's enough. Like 15, 15 clients online, you know, you're writing programs for, or um, you know, you, you're giving them similar things. It can be a lot to take in if you've got, you know, fifteen people messaging you asking questions, saying, "Oh, I can't do it on this day," or "I've hurt my back." Um, can you tailor it to lower body this week, or done something to my shoulder? So, I can sort of. I can sort of, well, I can't really see how they can be coping with that level of people because um, it's just, yeah, it's very, it's very difficult to manage that and be available for them too. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's a big key thing that you said is that a lot of them do just rinse and repeat that same exercise program for, you know, a 32-year-old and an 11-year-old. They're just pumping out that same thing. But people are buying in because they see, like, a shredded figure. They see a, a Porsche out the front when they walk into the gym. And I think what's even crazier now is with ChatGPT, so you don't even need to know anything about exercise. You can just chuck in someone's age, location, and all the information that you're asking for into ChatGPT, and it can spit out a program for you, and you just recycle that with absolutely no understanding of how the human body works. No. Nah. Yeah, there's no one watching you. Or, like, occasionally I'll, I'll message my athletes that are online and go, send me a video of you doing this exercise. I want to make sure you're doing it right. And half of them hate it because they have to film themselves in the gym. But a lot of the time, um, a lot of the time, you, you do pick up one or two things that they were doing wrong, um, especially if they don't have, you know, like a high base level of, you know, their bodies and understanding of movement patterns. So, um, yeah, a lot of the time, you do pick up one or two things from those videos they send in. So it's really important, I think, to to have, you know, a, a coach that's available um and is actually caring about you uh, and and your performance and not just you're not just dollars on a page sort of thing for them um which is really important heck yeah because like you said it's all about building those connections and those relationships so that it's not just like you say that transaction you're not just money on a page you're you're actually building that relationship with them so like those kids in otago that he was talking about earlier they still connect with them that's what it's about i think rather Mm. than just collecting a paycheck and running with it 
Yeah, like S and C. Like I always knew that S and C isn't isn't a. You know, it's not a million dollar sort of. You know, I'm not going to be earning a million dollars a year sort of a thing. You do it for the love of it. Um, and I've probably always been into coaching, but not like, you know, coaching a sport. Never really realized that it's actually S&C that was my passion and coaching in that way as opposed, because I always enjoyed coaching. And then once I got into S&C, I was like, oh, well, this is this is me. This is what I want to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those sort of selfless um, jobs in terms of in terms of you know you you know I, I lead my my biggest philosophy is I want my environments to be a uh, athlete focused coach led environment so you know it's it's a very selfless sort of a job and it's always that you're sort of hiding in the background and and you know even those professional teams the SNCs aren't known but you'll know you'll know who the coach is and you'll know who all the players are um, not many people can name S and C coaches or physios or you know the nutritionists and and all those big franchises because it's it's one of those selfless sort of sort of jobs. Um, that's why we do it for the love of it and for the athletes and the people. Yeah. Oh, that's wicked. That's on. I guess one thing would be is how how do you find something that you're passionate about if you have any advice to the whānau listening at home is how do how do they find that thing that they're passionate about like you um i think it was about trying new things um one day i sort of was sitting with my mate in uni and he he was sort of talking about getting into the gym and i was like oh i've sort of been thinking about that too and we just went to together one day and we pretty much went not every day but you know we'd go at least three four times a week um to the gym together and it, it just sort of started from there so I think the big thing was just branching out and trying new things um so you know like today I've never been on a podcast and I was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna take Rara up on that offer and jump on board and um have a crack at it and see if I enjoy it and if I don't that so be it um I really think it's about trying new experiences and getting out of that comfort shell um that was sort of my I mean my big goal for 2023 was to get out of my comfort shell and, um, you know, do something a bit different and, and, you know, try something new. So, so yeah, definitely finding that niche and finding that thing you're passionate about is you've got to try something. Um, that's my advice. That's great advice. Cause yeah, like you said, you'll never know if you like it or you don't, if you don't give it a try. Yeah, exactly. It's like eating food, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I still am not trying a mushroom. It smells disgusting, and I, I just believe it is disgusting. I don't want none mushrooms. of Mushrooms, Jesus. <laughs> That's interesting. It put me off as a kid, bro. I've never gone back. Uh, never gone understandable. back. Yeah, at least, yeah. Did you even try one? Yeah, as a kid, yeah. I never tried yeah. it as at least an adult. you tried it. So you tried it, and you went, yeah. nah, not my passion. Not my, the same as a kinner. So, like, you know how everyone makes that shit look delicious ass? That's yeah. terrible. Don't even try it. I tried it as a kid. Disgusting. I tried another one last year. Still disgusting. Don't eat it. Don't eat it, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's gold. We're, well, we've reached this part of the episode where um, the whānau who are regular listeners will know all about this. We dip into the dream deposit box. So on this box is a shoe box. Um, it says, always remember when they doubted you. Love that sentiment. 
so I've kept the box. Um, inside is where everyone that comes on the show shares with us a dream. We give them up to three dreams to share with us. Um, we've had uh, oh Sam Baxter, his one of his dreams is making a safe, comfortable environment for rehab more available. Um, we've got Hayden Nelson. He wants to be the All Blacks SNC coach one day. Um, Jack Nelson, he wants to own a, a sports clothing brand one day. Um, me, I wrote, I want to finish my masters. <laughs> <laughs> Good, man. Good man. So hopefully, hopefully get there one day. I lost the pink paper. So, um, Fano, who regularly watched this, is the blue one now. We're going with blue. Lost the pink one. Blue. Don't know where it is. <laughs> so, what, what are some dreams you have, bro? Uh, some dreams. Do they have to be like? So tailored to myself, or is it more whatever sort of thing? Whatever, whatever you have a dream of. Um, I know someone else shared a dream where um, they just wish that all the rangatahi in the world can come together and, and live in a safe and happy environment. Hmm. Cool. Okay. Um, I I got a few. Um, first one's sort of uh, for myself. Um, I'd love to see myself in five five years. Um. A full-time trainer within high-performance sport somewhere. Um, yeah, so that'd be my first dream. High performance, nice. Second dream. Second dream would be that uh, SNC became, you know, a normalised thing within schools, um, and it was really unavailable. So giving boys those opportunities or girls those opportunities. Yeah, heck yeah. So I mean, high school is is really the platform between you know being a child and working towards the pros. Mm, exactly. Well, you've got, you know, you sort of start making those New Zealand teams at that that year thirteen, year twelve level. So it actually starts in high school, and and having the right people in those schools. Um, or around whatever student to, you know, help them get there is just incredibly important. Um, yeah. So those are my two dreams, especially being in um, that second one, working in a school and seeing the need for it. Heck yeah, man. That, that's going to be a huge one. I can't wait to see that one come true because that's cool. just going to bring, you know, the quality of life for children at school because not everyone's, you know, top-end academic. But having these high performance um, opportunities for them is just going to help push them to want to achieve better at school and things like that. Hmm. Did you have one more, or, or you're leaving it at two? No, I've, I've I've got two. Yeah, two's all I had. Sorry, two's mate. all he's got. <laughs> oh, easy, man, easy. Well, some people are like, "No, nah, I got another one. I got. A, can I have one?" I'm like, "Bro, you got three. Three is plenty." Three. <laughs> well, I guess here's here's another one of our um, regular questions that we ask, as well as. If you had, let's go with, let's go with 17-year-old Cam. If you had the opportunity to sit on the opposite side of the table to 17-year-old Cam, is it, you know, what, what, what are some of the things you'd say to him? Um, what would I say to 17-year-old Cam? Uh, I'd probably tell him to work harder in, in uni <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, try and knuckle down in, in, in those those papers you really struggled with a bit more. Um, 
would have told him to get into the gym earlier <laughs> <laughs> um, and get into get into where the passion came from. So, yeah, seventeen year old Cam was you know skin and bone, had no understanding of his body, and was breaking down every week. So, yeah, so it really it probably really inhibited my my you know sport in a way because um, I was running myself into the ground. I um I was playing club hockey, rep hockey school hockey and I was playing men's football so that's four games a week it's training probably three times a week as well and then doing no probably minimal recovery and not a single thing to strengthen my body so yeah definitely definitely telling him to get into the gym more and the third thing would be uh, look after your body you've only got one so that's such a true statement there too Farno, because you know doesn't get easier the older you get it just starts breaking down more and more and more i mean look at look at your grandparents yeah exactly gotta take care of that body man yeah and so on the flip side of that looking at yourself so if you if you return to this podcast in five or ten years what's a message you'd like to say to your future self as you watch this back um my future self uh i'm hoping that you know, I, I put in five five years of groundwork, and I, I just keep growing and building my my base knowledge, and you know, developing as an S and C. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd hope that would happen. I'd hope, uh, yeah, I'd, ho- I'd be hoping I'd be married by then, hopefully, <laughs> as well, <laughs> and settled down, and um, not sort of, you know, zooming all over the country or um over to europe by then so i'd be hoping that you know i'd be hoping to be settled somewhere and um you know have that that future job that i'd want i hope so too i hope when you're looking back at this camp you did it you did it it. i know you did it yeah it'll be exciting to see shit yeah man (laughs) heck yeah well We've reached that time in the show, brother. Will, will we wrap things up? Is there anything you'd like to say before you go? Is there anyone you'd like to give a shout out to or just tell the people where you are, what you're doing? Um, I'll leave all your socials down below. So if people want to reach out, they can. But otherwise, the floor is yours, my guy. Oh, thanks for having me, Ra. I don't have too much to say. But no, it was cool to be on. And again, talking about experiencing some new things in 2023. So it was, it was pretty cool to come on and be out of my comfort zone a wee bit and have a chat to you and a bit of a catch up which is cool um, it's always always nice to um, see an old friendly face used to see in a lecture hall every day so yeah cheers mate thanks for that no August man it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the, the show thank you so much for coming on my bro it's, it's been so much fun to, to catch up and um, to chop it up and even more so to hear about what you've been up to for the past year since we've all departed from university. It's, it's amazing to see it. Uh, I'll definitely be looking forward to seeing some of these Otago shit. It's on the come up down there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll talk them up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you want to give any of them a shout out? They might give it a listen. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Shout out to all you boys in the academy. Uh, best of luck. Best of luck for your season ahead. I know you're all smash it. Um, yeah, enjoy. Easy. There you go, Farno. Like I said, I'll drop all of Cam's information down below if you want to find out where he is and link up and pick his brain. 
feel free. But until next time, Fano, take care. Modi order.